Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building, which is actually hashtag Divine Color Wall. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's Pastor Michael Petit. And also, actually, it's Revive, Rise, Repair, Rebuild. Revive, Rise, Repair, Rebuild. Uh, what's going to be a wonderful thing about this, this, these verses is you're going to see the body of, of uh, the Israelites and the Jews come together to build the wall. Uh, to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get started. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for today. Uh, We do pray for our nation. We pray um, for our border. We saw something today. It was just heartbreaking to see a child that was uh, lost and and was found. Uh, You could hear the, the, the trembling in his voice and uh, just the fear, and, and Lord, we pray, we're, we're, we're not against immigration, but Lord, we pray because what we're more concerned about is the uh, sexual abuse, the, um, the, the trafficking that's happening with these kids, uh, with the cartels, and so Lord, we pray for protection for them. We pray that our nation would wake up. This is a major problem uh, that, that really needs our, our you know, for us to really uh, put aside our our thoughts and our feelings and do what is right for these kids. And so we pray for that, Lord. We pray for the kids that are at the Freeman Coliseum. We pray that you would just continue to minister to them, uh, allow the, the churches to be able to minister to them, and uh, we just we just lift up our nation. Uh, we pray for our leaders. We pray for our, our, uh, our, you know, we just found out we have a new city administrator that was uh, voted on, so we pray for that, Lord. And just ask that your hand would be over uh, that position. And, and we do pray for our, our mayoral race and, and just pray that uh, just for peace and unity between the two. And, uh, you know, that we can get down to what the issues are and not, not make it personal. And so we pray for unity in the city council and pray for unity within the, uh, the city of Divine. We lift up the city of Divine to you, Lord. We pray for each person here. Uh, we pray for the spiritual battle that's going on. Uh, just because it's a small town doesn't mean the devil doesn't operate in a small town. It does. And so uh, we just pray uh, for this town. We pray for this building. And thank you so much for uh, uh, just uh, Marcus and, and the Market Media building just for allowing us to be here. And we just continue to pray that you bless their building and bless their family as well. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless those that are, that are listening and uh, we pray for their marriages and their families and we just ask lord that we would be able to take as much as we can from this word and apply it um, in our lives and so we ask these things in jesus name amen all right so nehemiah chapter 3 verses 1 through 32 and we're going to look at it uh it's going to be a lot and so i'm going to do my best with the the uh the pronunciation of the names as best i can we'll we'll focus in and hone in on some some of the verses that are really important and at the same time uh with there you're going to see the words repair rebuilt repair rebuilt over and over and because it's different sections of the wall that go around the city we left off last week in nehemiah chapter uh, 2 verses 20 and it said then i replied to them this is after He's being attacked by, uh, uh, by Sanballat and Tobiah and, and Geshem. And, and, and what we have happening here is we see him replying to them. He says, then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. So what we see now is the work is fixing to begin. 
the work to rebuild the wall is fixing to begin. And so there's about 32 uh, men in eight different locations that are going to be leading and, and, and uh, helping rebuild the wall. And this, really, chapter 32 is a list of the workers. And sometimes what happens is when we get to verses like this in the Bible, like, uh, for instance, when you get to a genealogy, you want to just skip through it. And, and trust me, there are things that God wants to show you. There are nuggets within the Scripture that you need to, you need to dive into and not be afraid to, to read it and look into it. Um, the rebuilding... Uh, the work is, is uh, a reminder to us that no matter what we're going through, uh, whether we have a, a life that we feel like is broken down, or our, our family which is broken, or our marriage that can be broken, or even a community that can be broken, that God can rebuild. You know, all it takes is for us to, to call on Christ and to seek repentance, and, and, uh, and the Lord will help us. Rebuild, and sometimes there are things that goes on in our lives, even as followers of Christ, where the wall has crumbled down. Maybe it's because of sin. Uh, maybe it's because of unforgiveness. Maybe there's just some cracks in the wall uh, because your relationship with the Lord has has uh, kind of fallen back, and and God wants to help rebuild and repair that. And so that's really at the end of the day when we look at Nehemiah chapter three. It's very important that we see that there are things that we can learn from the Scripture that we don't just skip over it. Calvary Chapel does not do that. And so we, we, we will dive into chapter 3, and uh, let's go ahead and do that. Then it says, uh, El Yeshib, the uh, high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priest, and the, they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the tower uh, of the hundreds, as far as the tower of Hananel. And next to him, uh, the men of Jericho, and next to them, uh, Zakor, and the sum of Embry uh, built. And so what we see now happening is the first thing that happens is the leaders are leading, right? We see the leaders leading. So El Yashib, uh, actually the high priest, is their building. And it's something for us to remember as, as, as leaders in the church are serving as a, a leader for a ministry, you set the example. And so the priests were the ones who started rebuilding. They were normally uh, the leadership that built the sheep gate, and, and that's the northeast side of the temple. Unless God blesses the work of the city, no walls or gates would ever succeed. They put God first. And that's what Nehemiah you know, that's what he says in that, in that verse. Is he's like, the God of heaven will what? Make us prosper. And so they place God first as they dedicate the work and, and they show that the, the priests have come together to consecrate the sheep gate. And the, the one thing to, to see about the sheep gate is there's no locks, there's no bolts for the sheep gate. Why? Because Jesus is the Lamb of God. And we're going to start with the sheep gate in, in, in this first verse, right? And we're going to end with the sheep gate. And so Revelation chapter 1, verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. That's why there are no locks, no bars mentioned, because Jesus is always open to everyone. No matter what you're going through, no matter how bad you think you have it, Jesus is saying, look, just come to me and repent and become a follower of Christ. And, and at the end of the day, that, that's always open to everyone, even if you've fallen away as a, as a believer. You know, maybe you gave your life to Christ in, in a VBS as a vacation Bible school or, or at a youth retreat, and you've fallen away and you're 20-something years old now, and you're like, there's no way that God will take me back. Jesus is always open. The sheep gate is always open. In Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6, it says, But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of all of us. There's only one way 
to, to heaven, to have eternal life, and that's through Jesus Christ. And John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ezekiel 34, 23 says, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall, uh, he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And we know that Jesus Christ is our shepherd. In John 10, 14, it's one of the I am statements. We see it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me. Right? In Psalm 23, 1 uh, verse that we're all familiar with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is he your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? I love this is because when you read all the list of names, you know what you won't read is Nehemiah. Nehemiah keeps record of everything that's being done here. But in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6, it says, So we built the wall, we, not me, we. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. They were, they were encouraged. They were on fire to do the work of the Lord. And they built it together. And that's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2-5, through 5, it says, Shepherding the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. I am not supposed to beat the sheep. Okay? As the shepherd of the, the church, I am, I'm supposed to lead you and shepherd the flock. And so what I do actually speaks. You know, I can't tell you to read the Bible if I'm not doing it myself. As a leader, we set the example. As a leader of the church, that's something that, that Pastor Chuck always did. As Pastor Chuck at Costa Mesa... You know, serving at one of the one of the largest churches there in California, and at the time he would be people would see him out there picking up cigarette butts. This is back when people smoked in the 70s, and they would they would ask Chuck, you know, why? What are you doing? You have a cleaning team that does that, and Chuck would be like, no, I, he would he would be upset that people would throw the cigarette butts on the ground, but he would go around and pick them up and throw them away. He would always ask for a bathroom to be cleaned. So he would say to the cleaning team, clean every bathroom but this one. I'm going to clean it. See, he's setting the example. Nothing is above him. You know, it's like what we do as the body of Christ is so important. We lead the way. We used to clean the toilets at, at Grace Calvary Chapel. That was part of that. It's, it's, it's a reminder that we're least, right? And as men, as you lead your family, you're the least because you're the leader. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 17 through 20, it says, If the whole body were an eye, where would, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as He chose. If, if all were single member were... Where would the body be? As it, as it is, there are many parts yet one body. And so what we see in this scripture is we see that there's no single person in the church more valuable than the other. None. What I do is just as important as the person on the cleaning team. And if you go, nah, that's not true. Think about 2020. How many of you were worried when, when COVID hit? Were they cleaning the church? Were they wiping the, the tables and doing all the stuff, right? It was funny because I remember, you know, people were like, well, are we cleaning the church? Yeah. Every Tuesday we were cleaning the church. It's, it's everybody working together towards one goal. And I remember when we actually rebuilt the stage for our church and the number of opinions that were out there. And the shepherd, Joe, made the final decisions on what what wood would be used and what pictures would be used, just like Marcus did with the, the decorating of this building because he's the leader of this building. And so uh, I can remember the, the people becoming uncomfortable because things were being removed that they were used to. 
And there were adjustments that were being made, and, and that was just part of, part of growing. That's what the body does. The hands and the feet all do different things. And, that, and that's a reminder for us here in Divine. As a pastor in Divine, I'm not here to steal other people's sheep. I'm praying that those churches continue to grow and do well because that's, that's healthy for Divine and for Natalia and for Lytle and for Pearsall and Hondo. It's, it's healthy for the churches and that's the thing. We have Catholic churches and we have Protestant churches and we have non-denominational churches and Baptist churches and they're all trying to do the work of the Lord. Different members of the body. Right? And so we need to remember that. That God is using many different parts of the body and He does that in the church and that's how we grow. That's why it's so important for you to be in a church. Because God uses your service in the church to help you grow. Because let me tell you, sometimes you, 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 you have some ironing, sharpening iron. You have people that, that, that kind of, you go, man, that person's really rubbing me the wrong way, but are you going to show them grace and mercy and love? The body of Christ working together. And so that's, that's one thing that we see here as the leaders are, are, are at the sheep gate. In verse 3 it says, The son of Hassanan uh, built the fish gate. They laid its beam and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. So what is the fish gate? Actually, it's where the fish came in. <laughs> that's, that's pretty easy for us to remember, right? The fish gate was actually the northern side of Jerusalem, and that's where they actually brought and sold fish. But what did Jesus tell us at the fish gate? You know, one of the things he told, uh, you know, Peter and, and, the, and the apostles is Matthew 4, 4, 19, and he said to them, Follow me, I will make you what? Fishers of men. See, our lives should be like Christ, and, and God uses kind of, you know, we always fish with the same pole, the Word of God but we use different bait. And sometimes God uses you as the bait. You ever think about that? Actually, God may use you as the bait because what it does is it's actually a part of people saying, hey man, I want to know why you're the way you are. Why, why you're, you have so much joy and, and, and in this time where everything seems crazy, you, they just are drawn to you like bait would attract Right? And so we need to remember that, that at the end of the day, we're supposed to be Christ-like. And we're supposed to be out sharing the gospel. We know that in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he tells them, look, I will make you fishers of men. And he tells them to go out and fish. Right? And that's one of the things that we need to ask ourselves. It's very important. Uh, it, this is a, a, an important principle about the fish gate and about, about us being fishers of men. If, if, if you're not fishing, you're not following. Let me say that again. If you're not fishing, you're not following. This is a command that God has given us to go and, and go therefore to make disciples of all nations. It's a command. And a lot of times what it is is people, you know, don't want to fish. They, they don't want to share Christ because it's just, it's uncomfortable to them. But you need to be fishing. See, our life should, be, should evolve around evangelism. Right? We should be looking for ways to be able to talk to people about Christ, to talk to the lost. Not to argue and, and have discussions about... We can talk about all kinds of stuff, but we, I don't know what it is about us not taking time to talk about Jesus with somebody. We need to be fishing. And not everybody is, has the gift of, of evangelizing, but let me tell you something, you're still supposed to be fishing. You need to let your family know. Easter is a great thing. You know what I was thinking about was after Easter? Where's your relationship on Monday? Or Tuesday? Or Wednesday? Because I, I see that all the time. I see people go to men's retreats. 
And, and by, by the following week, they've already gone back to their old habits and their old ways. And I wonder when you come to Easter, you're all on fire and you're like, oh man, I'm so glad to be back in church. And then by Monday, Tuesday, you're back into your old, your old thing again. See, we're, we're, we need to remember that if, if we're bait and we're supposed to be Christ-like and, and they're looking at us, they're looking at you. It's a full-time, full-time uh, thing to be a follower of Christ. It's not, we don't take time off. It's something that we do because it's a relationship, not a religion. You know, so we need to remember that. In, in Nehemiah verse 4, chapter 3, verse 4, it says, Next to... To them was uh, Murdimoth, the son of Udiah, the son of Hakots, repaired. And next to them was Meshulam, uh, the son of uh, Bediak, the son of Meshabel, repaired. And next to them, Zudak, the son of Benai, or Benana, is how you say it, Benana. Uh, almost sounds like banana, but Benana, uh, repaired. And next to them were the Tekoes, repaired, but the nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. This reminds me, when I read this, of the people that serve in D.C. I just talked about this with my wife as I was coming up here. Uh, The Romans were all about class and status, right? rich being rich having a title and and the 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 tequis repaired but it says but their nobles would not stoop to serve the lord so their rich would not bend their necks to do the lord's work so there's a problem with submission in that right what does matthew in chapter 19 verse 24 say it says and again i tell you it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Did you get that? Again, I tell you, it's easier for, the eye of a, cam- uh, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. See, we're, we're supposed to be followers of Christ. And when I read this, I... I, I we have to remember that when we take on a title, that does not mean that we stop serving. Okay? And, and I see this. It's like every, every November, people are begging for boats. But as soon as they get up to D.C., they, they don't want to bend their necks to help the people that they were called to, to actually help. And, and so for us, even as believers, that's something for us to remember as well is, you know, and we're supposed to be the example of Christ. So no matter what your status is, you can be the governor. If you're, if you're a follower of Christ, no matter your status, Mark 10.45 says, if you're supposed to be an example of Jesus, it says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. See, what happens is we, we, we get into leadership and we begin to get titles and we start working for the title and not for the Lord. We see Jesus was a carpenter and Paul was a tent maker. doesn't matter what your, what your, your outside job is. It's you're a follower of Christ. You know, it's, you're called to serve. And, and I think a lot of people in D.C., that's what we need to pray for. Whether they're believers or not, they need to serve the, the people of America. That's the same thing for the state of Texas and for the city of Divine. It's like if, you've have, if you have a calling to serve on the city council or to be a mayor or to, to serve the state congress or the senate, it's like you're, you're there to serve for the people of Texas to do what's best for the people of Texas. But I think what happens is we, we get into these positions and we start doing what's best for us. That's why we have so many senators and congressmen that are multimillionaires. It's, it's, it's the reality of it. 
because they, they are just like the, the, the Tekoes where they, their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. This is, this is beneath me. I'm not doing that. Right? It's your call to serve. Luke chapter 22, verses 27 says, For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? That's a question. Right? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. That's Jesus. Right? So we need to remember that. We need to pay attention to that. In verse 6, it says, Yoyoda, the son of uh, Pasayek, and uh, Meshulam, the son of uh, Besodiah, repaired the gate of Yesh, Yeshuana, uh, meaning old. And so that's the, the gate that means old. They laid its beams and set its doors and its bolts and its bars. And so we see the, the old gate. And, and sometimes what we need to remember is like the foundation for our faith, the foundation for our walk is the Word of God. And, and sometimes what happens is we allow things to get old in our life. And one of the things that should not do that is the Word of God or our relationship with Jesus Christ. In Jeremiah 6, verse 16, it says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient past where the, God, where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. We will not walk in it. And that's what happens sometimes with, with people as they, they fall away from Christ and you know, their relationship gets old or stale or stagnant. And, and man, we need, to, we need to get back on the path and, and, and walk with the Lord. I mean, He'll give us warnings, but eventually He's going to hold you accountable for the things that you're doing. And, and our relationship is founded on the Word of God. That can't get old. That has to be something that's refreshing and, and you know, something that we, we look to be in every, every day. If we're going to be revived every morning, right, so we can repair and rebuild things, we need to be able to be in God's Word. In verse 7, it says, The next of them uh, repaired Meye Allah, the Gibeonite, and Yodan, the Medonath, the men of Gibeon, and Anna of Mizpah, uh, the seed of the governor of the uh, province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, uh, the son of Herah, uh, a goldsmith repaired next to him. And so what we see with Hananiah, or Hananiah, I've got to make sure I pronounce that right, Hananiah, one of the performers repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. So what we see now is we actually see a goldsmith and a perfumer. Now, do they sound like construction guys? No. Right? Do they sound like they could do physical labor? No. But they were there to do the work of the Lord because they wanted to, to, to be a part of what God was doing there. And God's getting the glory for it. And sometimes we may not have the energy or we think that we, we can't make a difference in the community. But let me tell you something. All it takes is for you to be willing to take a step of faith and follow Christ. And we see two men's names in the Bible as perfumers and goldsmiths. And yet, what were they doing? They were helping build the wall that surrounded the temple so people could return back to worship. And how important is that? No matter what your, 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 your job is in the real world, God can use you. God can use you. And we need just to have that time uh, and that energy to say, you know what, Lord, use me. Let me be a part of this. Let me, let me help and, 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 uh, and help see this, this wall be rebuilt. And they, they, they were there in Jerusalem as far as the broad wall, a perfumer and a goldsmith. In verse 9 it says, Next to them was Raphael, uh, the son of Hur, uh, the ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired next to them was Yedadah, 
uh, the son of, uh, and this one's going to be fun, Hadamoth, repaired an opposite house, and next to him was Hatush, the son of Hashabinah, repaired uh, next to Malkiah, the son of Harim, uh, the son, uh, and Hashab, the son of uh, Pathamoab, repaired another section of the tower above uh, of the ovens. And so I, I, I apologize for my, my, I'm trying. I want to make sure I give this the best I can give this as I read this. And then we see in verse 12, it says, Next to Shalom, the, uh, or Shalom, the son of Lohesh, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired uh, he and his daughters. Now, that's amazing, right? Because God has called women into his kingdom to serve in, in different positions, right? They have responsibilities as well. And we learned this past weekend, as the women are the ones who were supposed to come in to the tomb and then do what? Go and tell Right? Go and tell the disciples that Jesus was resurrected. And we see here, this man probably had no sons. Shalom probably had no sons, and so his daughters were there helping him on the wall to help build. Nehemiah had everyone in the right place at the right time, filling the holes and the gaps where they were supposed to be. There was, it was like a well-oiled machine. There was building going around the whole city of the walls. And that's how it should be with us too as we, as we serve the Lord. Uh, church is the very place where we learn ministry. We learn how to serve people. You know where you really learn how to serve is in your home. You want to know why the country's in the, the, the mess that we're in right now? Because we've forgotten that the service of the Lord begins in our marriages and in our families. As a, as a husband, as a father, I'm to serve my wife and my kids. I, I've told the men this many times before, is when you come in from a long day at work or a long day on the farm or a long day at the ranch, you need to pray because when you walk in the doors, you're coming in to serve your family. You're the least. You're the leader. As a wife, you're there to serve and nurture the kids. You know, you may have a full-time job and you go, man, well, guess what? You need to pray before you come in as well. The problem that's happening with this country is because we've forgotten that service begins at home. We're called to serve and be Christ-like in the home, in the marriage, and then in the church. That's what makes healthy churches. That's, what make, that's why the community gets healthy. We just saw the Baylor Bears win the national championship for basketball. You know what their motto was? As, as everybody else had Black Lives Matter, equality, uh, unity. Those are, you know, not bad, but you know what? They had joy. Joy was their motto for the year. Jesus, others, you. That's how they were going to be on the team together. It was going to be Jesus first, then others, and then you. And they, they just won the national championship. And you know what they did? They, full, they glorified God. They gave the glory to God as they received the championship trophy. And, and, and that's, that's the problem. Because we think we can fix racial division and the divide that's happening in this country by programs and by the government. It can't be done. It's Jesus Christ. It starts when we start putting Jesus first in our life and then others and then yourself. And man, if you would take that and do that in your house, it will change your house. It will change your marriage. It'll change your church. No matter who you are. You see the daughters working. I love it. The Bible says that we must be built up and repaired, right? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. It's to build up. That's why church is so important. You can't do that from your couch. That's why it's time to return back to church. 
And God says the purpose of the church is for equipping the saints. The idea of equipping is to prepare, to strengthen, to be able to make something able to be used. We come together as Christians to strengthen one another, to make us strong and able to live for Jesus and to serve Him outside the church. We serve outside the church. But it starts in the home. It starts in the home. And 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4 says this, and, and sometimes we get this kind of twisted because this verse I love because it kind of shows us what we're supposed to be doing where Christian service starts at home. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4, it says, But if the widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents for this is pleasing in the sight of God. He's saying, hey, you know what? It starts in the home. It starts in the home. And I know that has to deal with the church and whether the church's responsibility of taking care of widows and what is really a, what is really a widow. What's really a widow is someone who has no family. That's when the church helps out. But if, the, if, the, the, if they have family... The children, the children are supposed to do what? It says the children are the grandchildren. I know my mom's smiling when she hears this one. Right? Right? Let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. And for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Do you realize that's something that in Hawaiian culture and Hispanic culture, that's natural. That's natural. That happens all the time. Family, Ohana and, and Hawaiian, that's, that's natural. I remember listening to uh, Willie Kay, who was a, um, a guitar player and a singer in Hawaii, and he talked about his, his uh, he passed on. But I remember about 10 years ago, he did an interview, and he talked about where he was at, the stage of life he was in. He's, and he was explaining the stage of life I'm in is I'm caring for my parents now because they're elderly. And what I do, and this is very important, this is what he said in the interview, what I do with my parents will be done with me through my kids because it's, they'll see how I do this. It's almost like discipleship in a way. And so that's why this dad has his daughters because they're going to know what it is to serve God. And that God gets the glory for the wall being built. And the work is, is finishing one part of the wall and, and the job they're asking, is there anywhere else you can plug us in? Right? Some are actually saying, hey, you know, let's, I've, I've finished this part, Nehemiah. Where else do you need me? And so we see in verse 13, it says, Hanun and the inhabitants of Zoak." Uh, repaired the valley gate, they rebuilt and set the doors, its bolts and its bars, and repaired thousands of cubits of the wall and as far as the dung gate. I know we're, we're, we're moving, but we'll get through this, I promise, because we're going we're gonna to be moving quick, quicker here. Uh, one of the things that we need is, as we look at the, the gate here, um, as they repair it, we need to be rooted in the Word. And this, this, this is actually the valley gate. And, and let me tell you something. We all will go through the valley at some time. You're all going to go through trials and tribulation. That's, that's natural. It's something that, that we are all called uh, to go through. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. That happens when we're in the valley. We shouldn't be surprised. That's what Peter tells us. Don't be surprised. You're being tested. There's an evaluation happening. The testing of your faith. But you know what it's doing? It's increasing your maturity, hopefully. Hopefully you're not falling away. And these are things that we go through and he's saying, hey, don't, don't seem that they're strange. It should unite us to Christ when we go through the valley. James chapter 1, verses uh, 2 and 4, uh, 2 through 4 says, Count it all in joy, my brothers, when you meet the trials of various kind, kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfast, steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect 
and complete and lacking nothing. In Psalm 23, verses 4 through 6, a verse we are all very familiar with, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So as you're in the valley, you see what he says? I prepare a table. Like he's saying, come on, enemy. I'm going to prepare a table and set you down. You're going to dwell with me in the house of the Lord forever. No matter what you go through in the valley, you have Christ. But one of the other things that he talks about is the dung gate. Uh, we know what dung is, so uh, we, we need to remember that the dung gate, sometimes we have things that need to be thrown away. Sometimes we allow the dung in our life and it actually gets smelly and stinky. And God is saying, hey, look, while you're in the, you're in the valley, this stuff needs to go. It needs to go. And, and what that really means is the sin. The dung gate is, is admitting that, that we fail, that we confess our sins. And in that confession, we, we come to another gate and that dung in your life may be taken, may be taking things away from your life that you don't, that you need right now. Because see, that's what sin does. It impacts us and, it, and, it, and we get used to it. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago about the hoarders and how they can, they can be sitting in the smell of the dung. And you walk in and you're like, oh my Lord, I can't even come in the house. I need to, I need to stay outside. It smells so bad. You see, sometimes we get used to it and we need to let it go. And so what is it that God is saying, hey, what needs to be, what, what do you need to let go of? And verse 14 says, uh, Malkiah, uh, the son of Rahak, uh, ruler of Beth, uh, Behak Kamin, uh, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt uh, its set of stores and bolts and sons and bars. And, and uh, Shalom, the son of uh, Kolkozeh, uh, ruler of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. And he rebuilt it and covered it and set its stores, its bolts and its bars. And yet... The wall of the pool of Shoyolak, um, uh, the king's garden as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. And we need the fountain gate. We need the spirit of the Holy Spirit that, the, that overflows and fills our lives. The, the fountain, the water, the living water. We can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38, it says, On the last days of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. See, the fountain gate is the place to a man, the people of God, of, of who made the, a, a lasting impact upon the world. They need the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the things I need to start praying for for myself is the power of the Holy Spirit, that refining, uh, that refreshing, uh, that fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to be upon my life. D.L. Moody actually locked himself in a hotel for three days because he said, I'm not leaving here until I have the power of the Holy Spirit upon my life. And man, later, he, he emerged a few days later and, and man, the world hasn't been the same since. And that's the same thing that we need to be asking for as the fountain and have the, the living water uh, pouring into our lives. And it's, a, it's such an important piece. You know, we can't do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't. We can't. That's why the, at the woman at the well, you know, he... I have, I, have, I have water you'll never thirst of again. You'll never thirst. And when we come to know Jesus Christ, we never thirst. But what we want is we want the power of the Holy Spirit. But we want the living waters like torrents pouring out of us. 
pouring out of us into our families, into our marriages, into our, into our communities, into our, our, our churches. And so I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to stop right there. Because we, we still got, we're just on verse 16. And we're never going to make it. Uh, it's already time. And so what we'll do is we're going to finish chapter 3. And we may go into a little bit of chapter 4 next week. Um, but a couple questions for you tonight, right? As, as we look back at this, you know, as we look at the sheep gate, and doing the work of the Lord, uh, it, it's a reminder to us that that He is the Good Shepherd. There's only one way to heaven. Only one. And and for some reason, um, I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of progressive Christianity trying to teach us that there are a bunch of different ways, and they're not. I think Senator War Warnock, I think is his name said that Easter, uh, you know, was, uh, I forget the, the exact, I don't want to quote incorrectly, but he talked about uh, Jesus was not relevant compared to uh, serving, you know. And, and so we need to be very careful with what, what we're seeing out in the world today. There's so much junk that's out there, and that's pulling, pulling people away from the Lord. And um, I'm going to see if I can find the quote real quick so I can talk about it. Pastor Bungie did a wonderful video on it. So if you, if, I'll have to load it up on the page later. He said that this is what he said. Because this is progressive Christianity at its finest. And I'll, let me see if I can get the quote. you got to love the ads. Um, I'll get to it, I'm sorry. Yes, he said that Easter Sunday, the holiday, is more transcendent than Jesus Christ. And the people can save themselves through helping others. That's wrong theology. Okay? That is what's happening in Atlanta right now. There are a lot of pastors preaching that kind of mess. And it's called progressive Christianity. It, you need to be very careful with that. Because they're leading people astray. They're, they're pulling people away from the sheep gate and out into the, the wilds of, of the world. And they're going to they're gonna cause people to fall and stumble. Because just the fact that you're going to tell people that they're, you can save yourselves through helping others is wrong. The Scriptures tell you that. But see, this is what... And what's sad is what this guy is a, a pastor who's now a senator... And this is what's happening in our culture today. This is why the foundation that your kids have, and this is why when we started with the sheep gate, it was so important because Jesus is the lamb that was slain. The perfect lamb. There's no other way to heaven. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to, to serve, outserve somebody and say, well, Lord, I did this, this, and this. It's not done that way. So you need to be careful. Uh, about what's being taught and what maybe what even you're looking at because a lot of these progressive uh, Christians are online putting out a bunch of mess right now and they're 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 pulling your kids and your youth away from the Lord and so we need to be aware of uh, and that's why it's so important as us as leaders mom dad uh, husbands and wife that we actually lead in a way that, uh, that we have a strong foundation. That's why the sheep gate was the first thing that was done. Right? I am the good shepherd. We need Jesus Christ. Let's close out in prayer and then we'll, we'll, we'll uh, just thank y'all so much, man, for, for spending time and, and watching this. Father God, we thank you so much for uh, today. And, and we just pray, Lord, there's so much that we can from these scriptures and I know sometimes we can gloss over them and run through them and uh, I pray next week as we finish up the chapter that we can even squeeze more out of it you know we want to get to the marrow uh, not just uh, you know not just rush through it 
And so, Father God, we thank you so much for everyone who's watching online. Uh, just, again, for us being able to be in this building. We pray for the city. We pray for our nation. We do pray for our president. Don't let us think that we don't care. We do care. We pray for President Biden, and, and we pray for our Congress and our Senate. We pray for just a, a revival uh, the things that need to be repaired in D.C., that they would be repaired and rebuilt, that they would, they would turn to you, Lord. And, and we pray that for our own lives. There's probably some dung that needs to be gotten rid of in our own lives. And whatever that is, take some time tonight and confess that to God. Maybe you have uh, some stuff that you shouldn't be watching that you've been watching. Maybe you've allowed some language back into your life that you shouldn't have allowed, or maybe you started drinking, or, 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 or you know, you've gone off and, and started doing drugs or something. Just repent and come back to the Lord. Maybe it's just unforgiveness or anger. You know, whatever it is, Lord, whatever dung needs to be removed from our lives, including mine, Lord, allow it to be removed. I, I sit before you right now and I know that I'm not worthy. Uh, you know, I, I just, I thank you so much, Father God, for the opportunity to, to be able to call you Father, Abba Father, as we talked about this past Sunday, that, that I am your child. And so I pray if there's somebody out there that doesn't know you, that they would come to know you. We thank you so much for tonight and we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this, this Sunday, we actually start the book of Mark. So we'll be in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And so hopefully you join us for, as we begin the new book of Mark. And we want to thank everybody again who made it out for Easter service. It, it was so encouraging for us, and uh, we thank you. And uh, we, just, we just pray. If you want to get more information on the church, go to calvarydivine.org. Calvarydivine.org. God bless. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.